Welcome back into a quick timeout podcast. March is here, which means March Madness is just around the corner. Kyle Boone of CBS Sports is back to give us a primer on this year's NCAA tournament. He and I talk teams to watch, teams to avoid on your bracket, players who could become household names, and who exactly to pick to help win your office pool. Thanks, as always, to 323 Sports for sponsoring the podcast. With sports camp season just a few months away, 323 Sports can provide you with the shirts, shorts, balls, really whatever you need to run a great camp. Contact sales at 323sports.com to get in touch with a rep. Now on to my conversation with Kyle Boone. It's great to have Kyle Boone of CBS Sports back on the podcast. Kyle, finish this sentence for me. March for me is the... The GOAT. It's the greatest of all time. <laughs> it's the GOAT month. I love March. March is the best. How much sleep are you getting and how much basketball are you watching? Like, what does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> uh, not much sleep. People aren't interested, but I do have a three-week-old daughter. And so, like, that combined with uh, with March Madness is just, um, as you can imagine, just completely insane. But, um, you know, days are days are... Uh, pretty long for the most part this time of year, and it, and it's it doesn't feel that long and, until you're like, okay, I woke up at you know seven o'clock and and I'm going to bed at like twelve thirty or one or two or whatever. Um, but you know, generally like I'll get up in the morning, I'll read, um, you know, I'll watch. I I subscribe to Synergy, so I watch a lot of Synergy tape, particularly on the NBA draft guys. Um, you know, and then I'll throughout the day like I'll go to the gym and then I'll come back and settle in for games and watch games throughout the night and um so yeah that's that's kind of a my general routine it kind of changes this time of year because basketball is on basically wall to wall all day every day and uh it's good it's fun people that may not have listened to the podcast that far back you came on and talked about nba prospects and the draft i was just kind of wondering for someone who's talking about uh, sports and, and writing about it and in addition to the draft stuff that you do like how, how do you watch a game am i you know are you looking for the best headline are you breaking down gameplay are you watching for strategy are you watching for particular players is it a, how do, how are you watching a game like it depends i guess on who i'm watching and for what reason but um i try to kind of stay away from like strategy stuff like i i think that's important you know are they going man to man oh did they switch to a zone like i think that's important stuff that you should use kind of in context when you're writing but for the most part, I kind of just watch as a fan because I feel like if you are a fan of what you're doing and, and you really enjoy what you're doing and what you're working for, it kind of bleeds out in your writing. And so like, you know, I, I won't say like, okay, I'm watching Kentucky, Tennessee and I'm rooting for Kentucky. I just watch Kentucky, Tennessee because I like basketball and I think it's fun. And um, I can kind of just break it down from there. Um, you know, I, I can watch the game and take notes and then just kind of recap it from there. Um, but you know, when you're watching some of the prospects, a lot of times I'm using, you know, filing stuff away as background, like, okay, I'm watching Tyrese Maxey and I'm watching how he defends on the perimeter and I'm watching how he cuts to the hoop and all that stuff. But for the most part, you know, I, people probably think that it's very advanced, but uh, you know, I just, I'm kind of watching on the couch like everyone else. You mentioned synergy. Like, how does that factor into the the stuff that you're looking for, and then gathering data for what you're going to write about later on? Oh yeah, it's great. Um, <clears throat> synergy is really good because you know you can go in. Um, like for example, I just use Tyrese Maxey, so I'll just use him again. But 
um, you can go to basically you can pick a player like Tyrese Maxey and you can find the breakdown of basically every play he's had at Kentucky. You can find all of his possessions and assists. You can find all his spot ups. Um, you can find his dribble handoffs and you can see kind of where he rates among all division one athletes and, and what he's good at and what he's maybe not so good at. You can find his defensive numbers and all that stuff. And um, you can click on it and it'll show you tape of, you know, whatever you want to kind of break down. So it makes it a lot easier. Whereas, um, you know, you, you can obviously learn a lot from watching games live, but you know, Tyrese Maxey's not playing 40, 40 minutes every night. And so it kind of condenses it and you don't have to watch the entire tape. You can watch um, all of Tyrese Maxey's highlights in, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes. So it saves you some time, but that's a, uh, that's been a super valuable resource for me and something that's kind of my go-to when I'm trying to watch tape and, and break guys down and figure out kind of where they fit at the next level. This year is a little bit different. I mean, you have some familiar names in the top 10, two of them that we talked about before we got on here, but just San Diego State and Dayton. There's a decent chance that both those teams don't lose again before the March Madness tournament. So just general thoughts on those teams? I love San Diego State. Malachi Flynn is maybe probably going to be top five on my player of the year ballot, just the way he's played this season. And uh, that offense just really runs through him. But San Diego State as a whole is, is pretty deep. And uh, people people are sleeping on them, and uh, it's hard to say that they're a sleeper going into the postseason because you know they they're probably going to win at least thirty games before the NCAA tournament. But uh, I really like San Diego State, and they have not just like beat teams. I think they've mostly clubbed everyone they played for the most part, and mm-hmm. I I kind of factor that in, you know, because I think you you can look at Gonzaga for example, and. Um, you know, they, they run through the, through the WCC and you're like, okay, well, they've got a great record, but they've got a lot of, a lot of close wins. San Diego state for the most part has just completely embarrassed people. And, uh, they're going into the, into the mountain West conference today, 28 and one. And I think that's really impressive. Dayton is, is, uh, another one of my darlings. In fact, I'd probably favor, favor Dayton ever so slightly over San Diego state. And, um, Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just because I'm president of the OB Toppin fan club, but uh, <laughs> the Flyers are so much fun to watch. And last night I watched them just completely de pants Rhode Island, and uh, I love I love this team. I feel like they are super deep, and Jalen Crutcher is playing well, and Trey Landers is playing well, and they're pretty experienced. Uh, I think the upperclassmen that they have kind of running this team. The, the makeup and the construction of this roster, um, I feel like they have a chance to make a really deep run. And, you know, they've they've been a team for a while that I've kind of circled as, okay, I like their construction. I like their athleticism. Their offense is, like, historically really, really efficient. I think they, right now, I think they lead the NCAA in field goal percentage. And I think Matt Norlander has his stats on that. But uh, going back multiple years they lead the they have the best field goal percentage so uh, their efficiency is super impressive and they're a team that i think regardless of who they draw in that one two or whatever uh seed whatever region they get i'm probably going to just blindly pick them to go to the final four i I, i'm super in on on dayton how do you feel about obi as far as pro potential goes i like him um it it's tough because I like what I see, and then I think the the talent evaluators maybe see see it a little bit more clearly, and uh, are maybe not as high on him. You know, obviously the talent level 
is high. The athleticism is just unbelievable. Uh, but the defense is is certainly a question mark, and I think it should be taken into account. Um, he's he's a little bit stiff, and uh, I don't know how well he'll be able to defend on the perimeter. And I think that's kind of what he'll be asked to do at the next level, kind of as a, a tweener between like a four and a five. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how he unfolds because I, I really think that he can make an impact for for a team and a team that's picking inside the lottery. You know, I don't know if if someone's willing to spend a top five pick on a twenty two year old, because you know, despite him being a sophomore, he's he's pretty old for his classification. But I think he's going to be a really good safe pick for a team, and um, I'm excited to see where he lands. I'm I'm kind of hoping that uh, the Warriors get to like the five or six pick, um, because I'd love to see him on the Warriors. I think the Warriors have been just dying to get a role man uh, who's athletic like Toppin. And I think that would be a really interesting and fun fit. But defensively, I think there's definitely some questions about how uh, how that translates to the NBA level. There's so many factors that go into success in March. Mm-hmm. One of them that you'll hear from time to time is, and this is hard to do, it's more likely done in kind of retrospect, but you look at a roster and you know, two or three years out, you see that that roster ended up having two or three guys who are in the league. Do you see that potential for being either of those teams, You know, a two or three guys that, are on that team that could be NBA players that we look back and we're like, oh yeah, there's no doubt that team went to the final four or lead eight or whatever it was. Yeah. I think uh, for both teams, there's, there's probably one on each team. Malachi Flynn for San Diego state is a guy I think that has um, legitimate NBA potential, you know, just the way he initiates the offense and, and scores it and, and can pull up like all the, all the way he scores, I think uh, can translate to the NBA level. I don't know if he'll be a first rounder, um, a guy that I think is probably going to fall into that like 40 to 50 uh, pick area. And I guess he's, he's a junior, so he could declare and, and decide that, you know, he uses this season to go to the NBA. That wouldn't be surprising to me da- uh, for Dayton. I think the only real uh, prospect that I've seen is, is Toppin and uh, he's a good one though. I mean, you know, a guy that I think I have in my top five uh, scouts are probably a little bit lower on him, but I think both of those, you know, we could look up in five years and, and they're enjoying some pretty healthy and successful NBA careers. A team that typically produces a lot of pro talent, but one that I saw that you're not a big fan of is the Duke team. Yeah. What about that Duke team aren't you really crazy about? They're disgusting. I hate them. <laughs> they're just so inconsistent. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, we've seen both the good and the bad from this Duke team. We saw them uh, open the season with a, with a really impressive win over Kansas. And it, that's a Kansas team that I think is probably the best in the country right now. Um, you know, they, they dismantled Michigan state on the road earlier this season, and then they just go and just lay eggs from time to time. And it's really, really concerning. I think it's red flags that should be raised. And, you know, I think there were 25 points, 25 point favorites, um, over C- uh, Stephen F. Austin, at home earlier this year, they lose in overtime at the buzzer. Just a disastrous loss. I think one of the top five biggest upsets in college basketball the last two decades. Um, you know, they, they lose to Wake Forest. They lose to Virginia. They lose to NC State, Clemson. All of those losses, you know, I I just can't ignore them. And, uh, you know, some, some nights they look like they should be a top five team, like they should be a number one seed. But uh, other nights, you know, I'm like, what? what is this team doing? I don't understand what they're doing, and why are they not better than they are? Um, you know, Coach K has kind of tried to explain this away several times. I, I watch almost all of his pressers, and 
a lot of it he he uses to kind of say hey th- you know we're we're still growing we'll start we'll we are still learning we're young and we're still inexperienced and and we'll we'll get it together but you know at this point i i feel like you kind of are what you are you're 30 games into the season and uh some of your freshmen aren't just going to become sophomores overnight and so I, that's kind of why i'm not all the way in on duke you know i i'm probably just being a little bit of a hater just for show but i i really do I, do, I really do plan to fade Duke in, in the NCAA tournament. I think the chances of them being a first-round exit are more likely than them winning it all this year. Something that you just said there I completely agree with, and I think coaches who have done this a while would agree with it as well. But when you're this far into the season, you are pretty much who you are. Uh, I, I know there are the exceptions, the outliers, where one team will get like super hot and make, it, make a run. If you actually go back and look at that team, if you're just looking at wins and losses, you're surprised. If you're actually looking at the game, you will have seen like, oh, they've been doing this all year. So on the flip side of that, if you were to maybe bet a day's pay on two teams, you mentioned Kansas, who would the other team be that you're like, man, that team, they're they're pretty much a lock or almost a lock to go to the final four. Kansas for sure. Um, I don't think that needs to be explained. I just, uh, the way they're playing defensively is, is just pretty incredible. Uh, Bill Self has said, I think this is his best defensive team he's ever had. And I feel like that's really saying something. Um, it's a testament to Udo Gazbuki and Devon Dotson, but Marcus Garrett on down, like that is a, that is a really talented roster. Um, this Another team that I would pick, and I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, but Baylor, um, you know, that's a team that won 23 games in a row, basically from mid-November to mid-February. They didn't lose a game. And they were the number one team in the country for, for multiple uh, weeks and I think their defense is really good not quite on the Kansas level but um, when they're at full strength I really feel like this is probably the second best team in college basketball and just the sample size we saw the way they were able to nearly run the dang table in the Big 12 and yeah the Big 12 is maybe down a little bit but um, I, I really like this Baylor team and I think they're pretty deep and um, you know when they're at full strength I think they're probably number two in the country changing gears a little bit. I saw you wrote a column just this past week about the potential impact of the coronavirus on the tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you envision maybe a situation where there's a site where there's literally nobody in the stands? I envision that happening at multiple sites. I really do. Um, Yeah. We'll wait to see kind of how this plays out. And, you know, I think there's probably some people who, who maybe don't uh, quite know enough to speak on the subject. And I probably, maybe would qualify in that, but, um, you know, I, I got my undergraduate and master's degree in healthcare administration. So this is kind of like both of my worlds crossing. And, um, so it's, uh, it's really scary. You know, I, I think, um, a lot of people don't know about it and that probably plays into some of the fears, but I think if the NCAA is tasked with making a decision and, you know, it's kind of on the fence, I feel like, they're just gonna say, "Hey, sorry, we, you know we're not gonna have uh, we're not gonna have people come to the games just because we don't want to risk it." And I think that would probably be the right decision. Now, right now, the NCAA is saying we're gonna play the games. We, you know, we're gonna have fans. No changes as of now. Um, you know, even even as of yesterday, they came out with a statement said that they've formed a panel, and they're not making any formal recommendations right now. But we've already seen the Atlantic Ten Conference. Uh, completely ban the handshake now we're doing uh, forearm bumps and uh, so that's kind of i think that's kind of the direction we're going to be heading where people are going to just try and avoid 
uh, contact, which is kind of funny because you play 40 minutes and you're just bumping up and grinding against other people. But And passing around an object that has all of those things already on it yeah it, it's uh yeah it's it's unavoidable um you know i think the safest thing to do would just be to cancel the games but i don't think they're probably going to do that unless you know there's a significant change in how this uh how this thing spreads but yeah certainly just uh the uncertainty with you know what we know about the virus and how it's spreading and how it can can uh be transmitted from person to person and then just like where it is and, and uh, you know, this, the symptoms and all that. So I, there's a lot of uncertainty there and uh, you know, I, it's a, uh, it's a scary thing. And I'm, I'm curious to kind of see how the NCAA uh, continues to approach this because it changes uh, right now. It's changing almost every day. Sure. And you would think, I, I don't know that uh, unfair advantage or disadvantage, either of those terms would fit, but for a team that's having to play a game, in a stadium that doesn't have any people in it. Mm-hmm. And then there's somebody across the country who's playing in an arena that does. Right. I mean, you know, the, the emotional charge that a, a crowd can give, that would just be disappointing for some teams. I would feel like not just the fact of not playing in front of everybody, but just the atmosphere that it creates or doesn't create when you don't have fans in the stadium. Yeah. And, and if I'm more to the point, that's a, that's a great point, but it just would kind of be a bummer, you know, cause it's, yeah. it's March madness. There is a, there is a, um, a level of, you know, excitement and anticipation with, with the NCAA tournament that um, you kind of just can't replicate in all of sports. And, uh, you know, if there's not fans in a stadium where meaningful games are being played, it would, it would almost be surreal because I've, I've personally never seen that before. I've never seen where they will not allow fans in because of potential danger to, uh, to players and to other people involved in a sporting event but um yeah it would it would be kind of wild a little bit happier note and also a little bit uh, fun hopefully segment here that we have just kind of a rapid fire you can go on as long as you want about each question or just give me a one word answer who's losing the first weekend and everyone kind of the general public that maybe didn't keep up with college basketball through the year that group is very surprised that that team loses the first weekend duke (laughs) it's gonna be duke all right who's winning both of those games that first weekend and those same people are shocked okay so you mean like a lower seeded team it could be or somebody that again just because of name and not following college basketball for the season they're surprised that that school would win a two games the first weekend uh it's gonna be byu team that i think uh i checked yesterday and i believe they lead the country in three-point shooting let me yeah they do and um, they're finally at full strength. Their 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 overall record is a little bit deceiving. They're twenty four and seven on the year, and most of that was without Yoeli Childs, who who is quite clearly their best and most important player. And they're going into the postseason now, three, four, five, six, seven on a nine game winning streak. They took out Gonzaga by thirteen points uh, just two weeks ago at home. This is a dangerous BYU team, and uh, they're going to be underseeded. A team that I think could win multiple games in the NCAA tournament, and a team that I think probably people are going to be like, wait, BYU? Really? Is there a team who's been maybe up and down throughout the year that's starting to get hot? Yeah. Um, dang. You know what? Kentucky really kind of fit in that category for me until I took a loss to Tennessee. I guess it was Tuesday. Um, but they were up by, you know, like 15 points. And, um, and then they just, I think they got outscored like 52 to 25 over the final like 17 or so minutes. 
Um, but before that, they were they were really on a roll. I think they'd won something like 14 of their last 16. They'd won eight in a row. I still am buying Kentucky stock. I think um, there was maybe some general panic earlier this year when obviously they lost to Evansville and uh, they lost to Utah and Ohio State and South Carolina. People are starting freaking out. But I think this is a really good Kentucky team. And the metrics don't necessarily love them. And um, I'm not exactly sure why. I think maybe, you know, they, they win a lot of close games. It's kind of like Auburn. But um, just the way they play, they play so dang hard. Uh, I like their backcourt with, with Quickly and with Maxi. I just feel like this roster construction is, is really good. And, you know, taking away the Tennessee loss, uh, I feel like overall this team is mostly trending in the right direction. A player the general public may not know about, but will know about once everything's done. Mm. Uh, oh, that's tough. Yeah. How about Zeke Naji? Why not? Uh, Arizona. And I think a lot of people know about Nico Mannion. He's uh, probably their most important player. You know, he's redheaded point guard for the Wildcats, but Zeke Naji may be. Uh, coming on at just the right time. He's a seven-foot center. Is uh, probably going to be a first-round pick, a guy who can really impact the game with just his energy and the way he rebounds just about everything within 15 feet of the hoop. And, uh, you know, if Arizona's going to make a run, I think it's going to be because Najee kind of comes on at the right time. So that's a guy that I think probably a lot of people don't know about, definitely don't know how to pronounce his name, <laughs> and uh, could uh, pop onto the to the national radar. This next question, I, I think of a guy like Brad Stevens where the NCAA tournament really kind of made his name, maybe a younger guy, but a coach that the general fan wouldn't know, but by the end they, they might know. I'm going to go with Mark Pope. I'm going back to the BYU well. Uh, Mark Pope had a really, really good run at, at Utah Valley, and uh, and this is his first year at BYU. BYU is, is starting to come on, as I've mentioned um, I'm looking right now at the Ken Palm rankings. They're number 10 at Ken Palm, a team that I think should be taken a lot more seriously. And uh, people don't know about Mark Pope. Uh, I think they will know pretty soon. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna throw out another name just because I feel like I'm uh, maybe cheating the system here. But uh, Seton Hall and, and Kevin Willard, um, people probably don't know too much about as well. But you know, they have a chance to win the Big East outright on Saturday. Obviously, they lost on Wednesday to Villanova by two points. And that was a disappointment, but I have thought that Seton Hall was the best team in the big East for, for most of the season. And, um, you know, I, I think the way that Seton Hall plays with miles Powell and, and they go super deep, this is a team that I think I'm circling is another kind of in that Dayton territory where I feel like, you know, it almost barring some crazy matchup, I feel pretty compelled to pick them to go pretty deep in the NCAA tournament. Um, People probably don't know about this bald-headed guy from Seton Hall, but Kevin Willard, keep an eye on that guy. Uh, we didn't mention the Big East, but, I mean, you got three teams that, I mean, could make some noise in March. Creighton is another one that not many people are probably paying attention to this year. Yeah, Creighton's a great great team to, uh, I think a lot of smart people are probably keeping an eye on, but not a lot of people know too much about. And 23-7, and seven, top five offense in the country. Um, Tyshawn Alexander has just been ter uh, terrific for, for the Blue Jays this season. So Creighton, uh, Villanova, Seton Hall, those three teams out of the Big East, is uh, that's, a, that's a pretty lethal trio. You know, maybe the top three in that conference 
could probably go toe to toe with any top three in any conference in America. And uh, is is Villanova going to win it all this year? By the way, is that just going to happen? Maybe I'm just getting old, but I totally forgot that they won, and then there was a year, and then they won again. I feel like those two years just kind of meshed together. Like Jay Wright is incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I I have no idea what's happening, but you know, I looked up. Uh, I was kind of riding off this Villanova team. I thought that you know maybe a little bit too inexperienced and uh, not not completely clicking. But you know, Sadiq Bay and Justin Moore, Colin Gillespie, that's a really good team. And another team that I think uh, fits in the category, of kind of trending in the right direction at the right time. And uh, Seton Hall win last night, I thought was super impressive to do that on the road. Uh, oh boy, that's nice. I think his player development abilities and his staff's ability kind of gets under underwritten there just because mm-hmm. you know you have guys that aren't necessarily your NBA draft picks but then I mean there are multiple guys who are doing well in the NBA now that we didn't know anything about when they were in high school or before they got to the big stage so yeah he's a he's a really good coach yeah even like the Eric Pascal, like yeah he got him from Fordham and he turns into like a really productive NBA player yep so yep. it's I agree that's really impressive so if Kansas isn't cutting the nets down in Atlanta, it will be Villanova. No, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with Duke. Wait a second. How, <laughs> if they're losing the first weekend, how's that happening? Well, I think they're either gonna they'll lose in the first weekend or they're just gonna win it all. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any medium between Duke. Like I don't think Duke is gonna win a couple games and then just pooter out. Uh, this Duke team is either just going to completely flop or they're gonna be just completely amazing and flip a switch. <laughs> and uh and cut down the nets all right all right so we talked about your work with the nba draft stuff and you've talked about players to watch so this is a little bit different i mean you can go outside of players um in march and talk about international or even players who didn't quite make it through the college season but who are your top three draft picks you know if you talked about prospects for this upcoming draft who are you putting in or slotting right now in those those top three spots i have a mock draft coming out I think today or tomorrow, so uh, people can keep it on. It's different than my top 50, my personal top 50 rankings. So I will go with my top 50 rankings. Um, so I'll give you my top three there. My number one is LaMelo Ball, and I'm curious what you think about him. But six foot seven point guard, I think he's a tremendous passer. He's a really good playmaker. Um, people people know a lot about him probably just one because he's uh, his last name is Ball and he's related to Lonzo Ball and LeVar Ball's son and uh, he's been in the, the spotlight for a while um, if you know anything about his basketball game you think that he's a he's a great shooter and he's got tremendous range but he's been playing for the Illawarra Hawks overseas in the NBL and that was kind of like maybe his only weakness was you know he was not a very efficient scorer from three-point range uh, I think he shot like 24, 25% from three this season. So it's interesting to kind of see kind of the dynamic there. But at number one, I, I would uh, I would prefer LaMelo Ball. What do you, Have you got to, to see anything from him? And, you know, just even from, from what I said, what's your kind of take on LaMelo? I watched some of his games early on and then have kept up with him through YouTube and some of the highlights that he's had. I think that he's often written off just simply because of his dad still. Yeah, and I think it, you know Lonzo's proven that. I mean, their family; the, those guys are talented. It's just that we, again, kind of had a have a bad taste in our mouth just because of his dad. Yeah, I, I thought that you know shooting wise, just because of his shooting form, I don't know how consistent it's ever going to be. But yeah. didn't we say the exact same thing about his brother? Yep. And his brother's shot looks great now. So 
this is a phrase that we've used for years, but you can't teach height. Right. And, and the size that he's playing that position immediately gives him an advantage. You're going to see teams that are, once he gets in a system, they're going to post him. And once they post him, then he's going to be able to pass out of that and, and find guys. He rebounds pretty well from what I've seen. Yep. His vision is incredible. Obviously, he has turnovers, but we don't like him because of social media and because of his dad. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm I'm trying to fade that out. I still feel like he's my favorite prospect in this class. Um, you know, I think right now we have the Knicks projected at number one overall. And uh, if the Knicks had the number one pick, gosh, I hope they take Lamelo Ball. I think that'd be amazing. Um, but number two on uh, on my big board, Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Um, watched him last night again, and I always come away impressed and. Also maddening um, mm-hmm. as a player, just he just takes some wild shots. But he's got the ultimate green light. I think his shot making and uh, the way he can create shots just kind of translates. I don't think he's going to be a lead guard, but the athleticism, the shot making, all of that I think is is uh, is worthy of a top three pick. Uh, I think he's pretty underrated defensively. Um, he doesn't always try, and you know if I was on a Georgia team that may not make the NIT. I probably wouldn't try that much either. So take that into account. Um, and then number three, my number three prospect, drumroll please, Obi Toppin. Uh, that's my guy, uh, Obi Toppin fan club. I think uh, just what he can bring to the table immediately is is uh, really impressive. I, you know, I don't think he's a guy that a team is going to take a big swing on and hope that he becomes a superstar. I don't think he's an all-star caliber player, but – he has a very high floor of a guy who I think will be productive in the NBA for a really long time. And uh, depends on who's picking and uh, the team need and all that good stuff. But, you know, I, I, it's very, very difficult to find three more uh, better players than Obi Toppin in this draft class. So that's my top three. Awesome. And we were talking beforehand again. You'll be at some of those events. What did you say you're going to be doing for NBA preparations? Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, so let's see. It's the Second week of April, I'll be at Nike Hoop Summit in Portland. Um, and then the following week, I'll be at Portsmouth in Virginia for the Portsmouth Invitational. And then obviously um, the G League Showcase and the Draft Combine later this summer. So, Oh, and the, and the lottery too. I think it's all the same week. So, Anybody international that you're looking forward to either at the Hoop Summit or at any of those other events? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. Uh, I don't think we know who will be at the... Um, at the combine yet, but you know there's there is a number of really talented international players this year. Denny of Deja um, is uh, an Israeli forward who I'm hoping to see in person. Killian Hayes is uh, playing with Ulm, and I think he's maybe one of the most underrated point guards in this draft class. And then Theo uh, Maladon uh, is another guy that I have I think number sixteen on my board. Hoping to see all of those three players because I think. Um, they're going to end up being probably lottery prospects and haven't got to see them in person, but really, really hoping to, uh, to do that. Our podcast has only been around for about nine months, so we don't have any traditions yet, but I may need to have Kyle back on for our annual NBA draft, uh, episode. So, oh, absolutely. We'll have to set that up for, uh, for when that gets a little bit closer. So, yeah, we can do a little live from, uh, I, I guess it's probably in Chicago. I actually haven't checked. I probably already booked my flights and stuff, but I don't remember. All right. All right. Yeah. We'll, we'll set that up. Sounds good, man. That's Kyle Boone of CBS sports. Be sure to catch his stuff on the CBS website. 
He's also a fun follow on Twitter. Unless you're a Duke fan, then he just <laughs> knocks on your team the entire time. Sorry. But it's Kyle double underscore Boone, right? You got it. I get yeah, that right? double underscore. Yeah. One underscore, you'll get some random dude that nobody knows. But double underscore will be Kyle. So, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on. Always a good time talking to you. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Tony. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.